this subject of the milk and the meat and the word of the word. Now, next time, and the next time for me is going to be first Wednesday of January, January 7th, because not because we're going anywhere, but next week is the candlelight service. The one after that, we have no midweek because nobody would be here. It's New Year's Eve. So the next time we're together in a teaching format, it's going to be the first Wednesday of January. And that is what date? The, se- the 7th. So I'm going to finish up this uh, on the meat of the word on the 7th. Then on the 14th, I'm going to begin a series called Let's Talk About Sex. I wish y'all could see your faces. Oh, it's going to be sexy. We're going to talk about sex. And I'm going to tell you why we're going to talk about sex. Because the Bible talks about sex and most of you are here because of it. Okay, but we're going to talk about it because I, I'm going to tell you, I think there's a lot of confusion in the church about sex, and so I'm going to take about four weeks. It's going to be rated S for sanctified, but it's going to be rated H for honest, okay, and we're going to talk about the tough stuff, and you think you're, you think you're in a tight spot listening. I've got to do it. But we're going to talk about it. I'm going to take about four weeks and talk about it. And I'm going to break it down and, and tell you uh, as that time approaches exactly what the topics are going to be. But I'll tell you, folks, that's where we're under attack, one of the areas anyway. And so I want to just, and the Bible is loaded with sex talk. Did you know that? The Bible is loaded with it. All kinds of words, concupiscence, lasciviousness, defrauding. All kinds of million-dollar words. What in the world do those things mean? Paul said, the, the commandments wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. Did you know that's a sex word? Well, you're going to know. I'm going to talk to you about some of the tough subjects. I'm not going to leave any stone unturned. I want us to be clear on this because, listen, this is where we live. Amen? Okay, I'm going to move right along here. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that's going to be good. You need to loosen up a little bit here. We may even get the young people in here with us. Or I'll give my notes to Pastor Tim and let him teach it over there. Because, well, that's all I'm going to say about it. Y'all better loosen up between now and then because it's going to be heavy stuff. And it's going to be good. And you talk about tapes that are going to sell. And he talked about orders over the radio. Oh, my. But tonight, we're on something a little bit milder, milk and meat, the milk and meat of the Word. And let's stand and read this Hebrews 5.11. And let me just begin talking about this. We'll finish it up on the 7th of January. Hebrews 5.11. We have much to say, says the writer of Hebrews, but it's hard to explain because what, what was their problem? Talk to me. You are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You ought to be teaching people, but you're going to have to be taught again, the basic stuff. He said, you need what, everybody? You need milk, not solid food. Now, let's see what he says about milk. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant spiritually 
is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Another version says they're not skillful in the Word of God, skillful in the Scriptures. But, verse 14, the meat of the Word is for who, everyone? The mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, that's the last part of chapter 5 in Hebrews. Now, he goes to chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, and you know what I tell you about therefore? When you see a therefore, you need to see what it's there for. Now, I read what came before this so that you would know why the therefore was there for. Okay? Now, therefore, he's connecting what he just said to what he's about to say. Let us leave the, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ. And what? Go on to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of re... Uh, now he's going to name them. Here's the s- six foundation stones that we teach in Finding the Rock. Not laying again the foundation of one, repentance from acts that lead to death or dead works. And number two, of faith in God. Number three, instruction about baptisms, plural. Water baptism, baptism in the body of Christ, baptism into the Spirit. There are plural baptisms in the Bible. That's the milk of the word. He goes on, number four, the laying out of hands. Laying out of hands for ordination. Laying out of hands to heal the sick. Laying out of hands to transfer giftings. This is the milk of the word. Okay? Number five, the resurrection from the dead. It ought to be common knowledge among Christians that that there is going to be a resurrection from the dead. And eternal judgment. We ought to all know that that an eternal judgment is coming. A judgment that has eternal consequences. That's milk. Now let's pray. Father, thank you for teaching us your word tonight. Bless our hearts. Bless our minds. Bless our souls. In Jesus' mighty name. Now will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to me. I receive with meekness your word. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Let me just talk to you about this whole issue of the milk of the Word. Uh, as I've already pointed out, chapter 6 begins with, with a therefore. Now let's go over it again. What had preceded the therefore was the apostles' discussion of milk and meat and the reader's inability, the reader's inability to eat meat or to teach the Word due to their unfortunate need to be taught again the milk issues. Okay? There was a hindrance that had come upon them. Spiritually, they were hindered. They were hindered because they had not uh, developed a full understanding of the milk issues. The milk issues of the Word. Now, he calls them slow learners. How many of you ever felt like a slow learner when it comes to the things of God? So have I. It's like, how many times is God going to have to teach me this? You know, aren't you thankful that God is patient with you and me? I mean, aren't you glad he's not you and he's not me? Because we would give up on us, wouldn't we? But God never gives up. But sometimes you just feel like a slow learner. Lord, it's me again. Yep, it's the same old thing. Would you please forgive me? What did you say about that last time? We're slow learners. Now, and the disciples certainly were. They encouraged me. Those boys didn't get it till Pentecost. Even after that, they didn't get it, some of the time. Now, 
First, what is the milk of the word? When he talks about the milk of the word and says, you know, you, you've got to go over the milk again, you've got to learn the milk issues again, what is the milk of the word? Well, we've already looked at it. The milk of the word is the elementary teachings of the Christian faith as found in Hebrews 6, 1 through 2. Now, that's not exhaustive. There are other things that are milk issues, milk teachings. But he names six of them for us, for us and tells us, you might think this is meat, but I'm telling you, this is the milk of the word. Okay? The milk doctrines that are foundational to the faith are these. Let's rehearse them again. Repentance from dead works. A dead work is something that you do to try to gain your salvation. It is works of righteousness that you do. You give to the poor. You never get a traffic ticket. You never cuss, smoke or chew, or run with the boys that do. You live a good life. And you think that that is going to save you. That's dead works. Nothing you and I can do will ever save us. If we do something we think can save us, the writer of Hebrews says, "Uh uh-uh. That's dead works. That's works that lead to death. They don't save you. Everybody clear on that? That's milk. That's not meat. That's milk. Now, uh, faith in God. That's a milk issue. We turn towards God by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just don't live by good works. They live by faith toward God. All right? Instruction about baptisms. We might think that the baptism in the Holy Spirit or the baptism in water or the baptism into the body of Christ, we might hear a good message on that, say, oh, that was meaty. But you know what? That's really a milk teaching according to the the Word of God. That's milk. That's not meat. Now, the resurrection from the dead. We ought not ever wonder if one day the trumpet's going to blow and the dead are going to rise in Christ. That's a milk doctrine. And yet, you preach that in some churches, they look at you like you're E.T. Like, beam me up. What's he talking about? I'm telling you, I could go to some churches and preach the resurrection from the dead, the rapture of the church, and they throw me out. But the Bible says it's a milk issue. We ought to know. Hey, one day the trumpet blow, I'm preaching on it this Sunday. On Christmas. Oh, yeah. Because Jesus came once, and that was Christmas. He's coming again. And I'm going to preach on it again. And I'm going to preach on the second coming. It's going to be a great Christmas message. But that ought not surprise us or move us or be something we're questioning. It's a milk doctrine. And then he says eternal judgment. Can I give you all a little news flash? There is a heaven and there is a hell. You know who the greatest preacher on hell in the whole Bible was? Jesus. He preached on hell more than anybody in the Bible, and he preached it hot. There's going to be an eternal judgment. And if you lose that conviction, then you're going to have to go back and be taught again the milk issues, and you're hindered in your faith. That's what we're about to see. So the Message Bible puts it this way. I like to, I like to quote the Message Bible quite a bit because it's, it's, it says it in a way that nothing else can. He says, so come on. Let's leave the preschool finger-painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. That's the grand work of art to which all of us have been called. 
You don't need further instruction, he goes on to say, about repentance from acts that lead to death and a faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying out of hands, uh, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Listen to this. He goes on and says, God helping us, we'll stay true to all that, but there's so much more. Let's get on with it. Let's move on from these milk issues and get on with it. Well, what is the preposition it? It is growing into maturity in Christ. That's the it. Let's get on with it. That's the grand work of art. Now, and, and this is the whole issue with the Word of God. The Bible wants you and me to grow up. Now, I want you to notice something. Their lack of understanding of the milk issues of the faith was affecting them in two very important ways. The first one, they were not able to grow into maturity. What a shame. They were not able to grow into maturity because they never got the milk issues down. Second thing, they were held back from operating in their calling. He said, you ought to be teaching. And you can't even teach. You can't teach because you haven't got the milk issues down. It's holding you up. Folks, I can't tell you how important it is that we get these milk issues down. Because we're not going to grow up spiritually into maturity in Christ, and we're not going to be able to function in our calling. There is a hindrance that comes. That's why teaching is so important. That's why I'm teaching this tonight. Because teaching gives us the information that we need to grow spiritually, and as we grow spiritually, more and more doors are open unto us as we mature in Christ. And if we don't mature, we are petrified, fossilized, stagnated, stuck. So you got to grow. Okay? Now, so the milk of the Word is comprised of the foundational teachings of the Christian faith. And until that foundation is laid, it's useless trying to build the rest of the structure because you're going to be building the rest of the structure on sand and not the rock. Now, let me ask you a million-dollar question tonight. If you think I went out to oh, just pick 100 churches in America, and I went out to 100 churches in America, and I said to them, what is the milk of the Word? How many times do you think I would get a good answer? How about never or close to never? Or if I said to them, name me three milk doctrines that the Bible gives to you and me. How many, how many times do you think that I would get an answer of any kind at all? And yet, if we don't get these things down, we can't go on. That's why he says, let us go on. It's no wonder that the church, a lot of the church in America, is absolutely impotent to change their culture for Christ because they have not been taught. They're not growing up. They're little babies. They're 10-year-olds sucking their thumbs. All right. Another way to look at the milk teaching is to consider what milk is to an infant. Let's think about this metaphorically now, illustratively. How do you do this? All right, look at it this way. What is milk to an infant? A baby must first nurse on the milk of the mother in order to grow the teeth necessary to eat meat. One leads to the other. Milk leads to meat. You can't just be born and start eating meat. You will choke. You have to drink the milk. 
of the mother first. All right? Milk is that for which the baby has been required nothing. The mother has done it all. She has eaten the food necessary to prepare the milk. The baby must only nurse. So the milk of the Word, I believe, is learning those things Jesus has done for us, for which we must do nothing. You know the best thing you can tell a spiritual baby? Everything God's done for them. What God's done for them in Jesus. That is the best thing you can feed a baby Christian because that's the milk of the Word. That's what milk is. As that baby nurses and drinks the milk of the mother, the mother has done it all. All the baby has to do is drink. All the baby has to do is nurse. And that's what baby Christians, that's where they are. All they're supposed to do is sit there and nurse on the Word of God. Nurse on the Word of God. And what is the best thing you can tell them? That for which they must do nothing. Teach them everything that God has already done for them and prepared for them and given to them. So the milk of the Word is learning those things that Jesus has done for us. That's what it is uh, based on this. Now let me give you some of the milk truths. He died for me while I was yet a sinner. Christ died for me. Babies love to hear that. He delivered me from the power of sin. He did that. I didn't deliver myself. Can't deliver myself. Never will deliver myself. He did it. Amen? Uh, He seated me in heavenly places in Christ. He did that. I don't have to do that. You tell a baby Christian, hey, guess what? As far as God's concerned, you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That little baby goes, oh, praise God. That blesses me. That's milk. Okay? He provided me with the presence of the Spirit dwelling within. most powerful thing you can tell a new baby Christian is you've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to give you peace. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to bring the Word alive to you. He's going to illuminate you. He is going to, he's going to follow you and help you all the way to heaven. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Little babies love to hear that. Daddy's never going to forsake you. Never going to walk away. That's milk stuff. Are y'all following me? That's milk stuff. Now, like the child's milk is prepared by the mother, requiring nothing of him, so these are the things Jesus did for us. And they don't require anything from us but to hear them and believe them and, and accept them and walk in them. We must nurse on these truths when we are saved, when we are young in the Lord. That's why if you're a newborn Christian, you ought to go through finding the rock. If you've been a Christian 20 years, you ought to go through finding the rock. Because you're going to come out of there with the milk issues down. Glory to God. Now, here's another thing about the milk of the Word. The milk of the Word is called sincere milk. Peter writes these words in 1 Peter 2, 2. As newborn babes, what does it say, everyone? Preach to me. Desire the sincere milk of the Word. What in the world is sincere milk? Is it sincerely milk? What in the world is sincere milk? Well, that word sincere comes from a Greek word that means without hypocrisy. Without hypocrisy. You receive the word with a cleansed heart. Have you ever tried to read the Bible when you've messed up and you haven't repented yet? You ever done that? Tried to do that? You know you messed up, you know you sinned, and now you're going to open your Bible and and have a devotional. 
and you haven't repented, if you ever notice that these words don't get one half inch off the page towards your heart, they, they, you stare at them and they stare back at you and you get nothing out of it. You know why? Because the word will not come alive to you until you have a heart without hypocrisy. So you receive the sincere milk or the milk of the word without having a hypocritical heart. When your heart has been cleansed, that's why I think before you open up the scriptures for a devotional, anytime, anytime, when you do it in the morning or whenever you have your devotional, you all say, Lord, forgive me for any sin of commission or omission. Forgive me for any thought, any word, any action, any attitude that has grieved you. If there's any known sin, repent of it. Never give a sin more than a 24-hour shelf life in your life. Because you can't get anything out of this word unless it is sincere read without hypocrisy. Okay? It's received with a pure heart, without hypocrisy. This is why 1 Peter 2, 2 is preceded by 1 Peter 2, 1. Look, what, for, look at one verse ahead of what we just read says, laying aside what? All malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all evil speaking, which means gossip, slander, rumor-mongering, any of that. Lay it aside before you crave the pure spiritual milk. That sounds to me like he's suggesting we have our diapers changed before we read the Word. Don't read it with dirty diapers, young babies. y'all with me tonight you're awful quiet say i'm with you don't give me a case of the no nods i ask you a question if you can't say yes or no just at least nod are you with me all right (laughs) i can tell when i get you guys thinking i get a look that says i'm thinking i'm really thinking the wheels are turning all right uh like newborn babies you crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So notice, he says, you are to crave getting those milk teachings down. You ought to crave it. Got to have my fix today. Got to have my fix. I'm craving the pure spiritual milk. Now, as I've already said, it's almost as if Peter is calling for a diaper change before drinking the milk of the Word. He says, get all that stuff out of your heart, all those sin issues Get them under the blood before you read. So here's the principle. In order to be properly fed the Word of God, our hearts must be cleansed. You need to clear, clear the way between you and God before you read the Word. Now, third thing about the milk of the Word is the precursor. It is the precursor to becoming skilled in the Scriptures. And what does it mean to be skilled in the Scriptures? It means skilled in how to live righteously in conformity with God's will. Skilled in the Scriptures. And that comes straight out of Hebrews chapter 5. Chapter 5, at the end of chapter 5, we're told that if we're having to get back into the milk of the Word, we're not skilled in the Scriptures. And that means we're not skilled in righteous living. We're not even skilled in discerning between good and evil. That's what it says. We're not, we can't even discern between good and evil because we're still in the milk. Babies don't know anything. Hey, to a baby, it's all about them. 
feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, change me, change me, change me, change me, meet every one of my needs. Most Christians live there. Okay? But here's what he's telling us. He said, you want to be skilled in the Scriptures? How many of you want to be skilled in the Scriptures? I mean, aren't you tired of, of don't you want to answer people who are, who are attacking your faith and attacking Christ and attacking the church and attacking your walk with God? Don't you want to be able to have an answer to them? Skilled in the Scriptures, where you can be attacked by the devil and do like Jesus, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, it is written. I mean, Jesus was skilled in the Scriptures. Lord, He wrote them. So the writer of Hebrews says, those who are still nursing on milk and have not yet laid the foundations of their faith are unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness, of conformity to the divine will in purpose, thought, and action. For he is a mere infant who's still on the milk, not able to talk yet. I don't want to be there. Lord, helping me, I got out of there quite some time ago those nursing on milk have still not learned the ins and outs of christian living they are dazed and confused they're easily taken advantage of this is christian babies now watch this i see it all the time they're easily taken advantage of they're easily tripped up paul describes the spiritually immature immature as quote children tossed like ships to and fro between chance gusts of teaching and wavering with every changing wind of doctrine, the prey of the cunning and cleverness of unscrupulous men. That's the immature. Spiritual predators always home in on the babes. Spiritual predators always go after those who are still young and still on the milk of the word. They can spot them a mile away. They can tell they're sincere, but they don't have much common sense. They don't have any experience in the things of God, and they are not skillful in the Word. And so they prey upon them. They fall for financial gimmicks, moral gimmicks, immorality gimmicks. They fall for anything and everything, false doctrine, false teaching, false prophesying. They fall for everything that comes down the pike because they're still on milk. They're saved, but they're stuck on stupid. Amen, Pastor Jeff, I'm going to get that CD and give it to everybody I know. And I'm not calling somebody stupid. I'm not saying you're stupid, but we can do stupid things when we're still on the milk and we don't have any discernment. I see Christians all the time be taken in by things that just blow my mind. How'd you ever believe that? Well, it just felt right, looked right, seemed right. And there was no knowledge of the Word to counter what was coming at them. They weren't skillful in the word of righteousness. They're preyed upon by everything that moves through the body of Christ. And there's always something moving through the body of Christ to prey upon the babes. Always. Paul said, I know this. He said in the book of Acts, as soon as I'm gone, grievous wolves are going to come in. And they're going to plunder the flock. They're going to come at you with deceptions and false teachings. And I failed not to teach you the whole counsel of God. I did everything I could to make you skillful in the word of righteousness. But you've got to go on from here now and leave the milk behind, get it down, and move on and grow up. So then when they come through your ranks, say, wait a minute, that's not in the word of God. 
That's not what the Word teaches. That's not right. I know that's not right. Now, another aspect of the milk of the Word is you will choke on the meat of the Word until you understand the milk of the Word. You can't give a baby a piece of Ruth Chris steak when he's one week old. They'll come take you away. What are you doing? Well, it was great steak. Well, you know better than to give a baby that. It's the same way spiritually. There are some things you will never, ever eat and enjoy the taste of in the things of God until you get past the milk of the Word. Scripture is taught. Here's how it's taught. Precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. Scriptural spiritual truth is progressive it's incremental it is one stone laid upon another which is laid upon another which is laid upon another the foundation has got to be laid first and then you build the house the structure on top of the foundation then you put on the roof then you deck that thing out on the inside but it is progressive you don't begin a house with the roof you begin it with the foundation and you build from there spiritual learning begins at the bottom and builds up and it begins with the milk of the word. Now, one truth leads to another. One stone is placed upon another. Now, here, here's an illustration. I'll never understand algebra until I understand simple math. I'm not going to sit a kid down and say, let me teach you algebra if he doesn't know simple math. I'm not going to teach him trigonometry if he doesn't know 2 plus 2. Likewise, spiritual truth begins with foundations that must be grasped before moving on to meteor truths. we got to get past the point, y'all, where teachings on the resurrection from the dead are meat to us. It's milk. The baptisms, laying hands on people. That's milk. Okay? Now, let's continue on this. Before receiving the meat, they need enough knowledge of the milk of the Word that the meat will become digestible. Now, if I see you trying to give a one-week-old baby steak, I'm going to call them for you. But if I see you in here nursing a 15-year-old, I'm going to call somebody else. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus, this is what gets me about Jesus. I tell you, it's all about Jesus. And you know Jesus knew full well whether his hearers could handle meat or only milk. He knew his audience. He knew who he was talking to. I want you to look at what he said. He told his disciples, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't handle it. You can't handle it right now. And I know Simon Peter probably piped up right about then and said, of course I can handle it. Let me have it. Lay it on me. Come on. But Jesus went on to say, when the friend comes, capital F, the pneumatos, the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, He will take you by the hand and He will guide you into all the truth there is. Isn't that beautiful? So, church, within you, the Holy Spirit is desirous of leading you from milk to meat. Jesus said He's going to lead you into all the truth there is. Isn't that neat? So here's he's talking to his disciples. This is the end of his life. This is John 16. He's almost crucified. 
But he says, guys, you've been with me three and a half years, but there's some things I want to tell you. You couldn't handle it right now. You still couldn't handle it right now. But you're going to be able to handle it when the spirit of truth has come. So there's some things that the Lord would like to tell you right now. But you know what? You can't handle it. What was that movie? Was it, oh yeah, Jack Nicholson? You can't handle the truth. I don't even remember the movie, but I remember that statement. Because I thought, the Bible says there's some truths we can't handle until we grow up. Do you want God to be able to tell you everything he wants to? All right. Then we got to grow up. Now, there are... uh, there are things that God wants us to know that we simply can't handle till we have fed on the milk of the word in sincerity and had the spiritual foundation of Christ laid in our souls. Though the Corinthian church was loaded with the gifts of the Spirit, they were very immature. You know what that needs to tell you and me? You can talk in tongues, you can lay hands on the sick, see cancer healed, you can raise the dead, but you can be so immature you're impossible to be around. Gifting and fruit are two different things gifts are sown fruit is grown so the very fact that they were immature that they were moving in all the gifts i mean first corinthians 12 that's the to written to the corinthian church the nine gifts of the spirit they were moving in all of them but they were immature now this frustrated paul because he wanted to feed them the meat of the word now i want you to listen to his exasperation as he writes to them in first corinthians 3 This is a little bit lengthy, but it is so good, and it's out of the Message Bible. Listen to the frustration in the apostle's voice, because he wants this church to grow up so that their character catches up with their talent, their giftings, okay? Look at this. He says, but for right now, friends, I'm completely frustrated by your unspiritual dealings with each other and with God. You're acting like infants in relation to Christ, capable of nothing much more than nursing at the breast. That's where you are. Well then, he says, I'll nurse you. Since you don't seem capable of anything more, for you are still what? Preach to me, church. Unspiritual. Wait a minute, they're moving in all the gifts of the Spirit, and yet they're unspiritual. They're not grown up. Having the nature of the flesh under the control of ordinary impulses. He's saying, you're just like everybody else out there. If we held the world up to you, you don't look much different except you're moving in these gifts. For as long as there are envying and jealousy and wrangling and factions among you, are you not unspiritual, carnal, and of the flesh, behaving yourselves after a human standard and like mere unchanged men? I wouldn't have wanted to receive this letter written to me, but it's written to the church at large forever. Moving in the gifts, but they're carnal. They're full of jealousy. They're full of envy. They're full of competitiveness. Now, when one of you says, I'm on Paul's side, and another says, I'm for Apollos, aren't you being totally babyish? Who do you think Paul is anyway, or Apollos for that matter? Who in the world do you think we are? Don't lift us up above what we are. We are just servants, servants who waited on you as you gradually learned to entrust your lives to our mutual master, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
we each carry out our servant assignment. And here's what Paul said. I planted the seed. Apollos watered the plants. He taught you. I got you saved. He taught you. But God made you grow. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who is at the center of this process. But it's God who makes things grow. I'm teaching you tonight. We have people saved all the time. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not growing them. I can teach. I can lead them to Christ. You can lead them to Christ. You can teach them. But when they grow, God gets that glory. Okay? Now, planting and watering are menial servant jobs at minimum wages. (laughs) Preachers don't get paid much is what he's kind of saying there, I think. What makes them worth doing is the God we are serving. He said, you happen to be God's field in which we are working. You're my field. I'm here now, and you're my field. And on Sunday, this church full of people is my field. But as they grow, God gets the glory. I can plant, I can water. I can't make you grow. Now, next, Paul uses an illustration. As we kind of wind down here, he uses an illustration to help us understand milk and meat and why the foundation must be properly laid. Listen carefully. He says, quote, verses 9 through 15. He says, to put it another way, you are God's house. According to the grace bestowed on me like a skillful architect and master builder, I laid the foundation. And now another man is building on it. Let each carpenter who comes on the job (laughs) take care to build on the foundation. Remember, there's only one foundation, the one already laid, Jesus Christ. So he says, any teacher is a carpenter. Any minister is a carpenter. Anybody who ministers the body of Christ is a carpenter, and you are building, you are adding on to the house of their faith. Now, he's about to tell us something real sobering here. Why is the foundation that comes from the milk of the Word so important? And why must we be certain that what we build on top of that foundation is right? Listen to what he says. Quote, take particular care in picking out your building materials. It better be this. And I'm holding up the Word of God. The building materials better be Genesis through Revelation. Every book in between. That's your building materials. Okay? Take particular care because eventually there's going to be an inspection. I call it a Holy Ghost inspection. If you use cheap or inferior materials, he says, you're going to be found out. The inspection will be thorough and it will be rigorous. You won't get by with a thing. If your work passes inspection, fine. If it doesn't, your part of the building will be torn out and started over. Do you hear the first verse we read? I'm going to have to take you back again to teach you the milk of the word. You ought to be teaching already, but I'm going to have to go rebuild again. You won't be torn out. You'll survive, but just barely. Now, here's the principle. Let me tell you what's going to test what you've built, the trials that come your way. The trials that come your way are going to test what you have built with. And here's a little saying that I love. If your faith fizzles in the middle of the trial, faith that fizzles at the finish was faulty at the first. People say to me, nah, I'm not going to go there. Faith that fizzles at the finish was faulty at the first 
If I build in you the Word of God correctly, you'll go through fire and come out on the other side praising God. But if I build on your house with wood, hay, and stubble, you'll go into the fire and you'll walk away from the church, quit praying, renounce, and get out there in the world and go back to the flesh and, and walk away. The trial reveals it. So say with me, faith that fizzles at the finish was faulty at the first. If you lay a bad foundation or you build badly on top of your foundation, it's not going to last through testing. It's going to crumble under the trials of life. If you faint in the day of adversity, the Proverbs say your strength is small. Let's stand together. And I've got a little bit more, but I want to just hold it till next time. I've given you enough. You're full. Wheels are turning. But I want you to notice the importance here of the milk of the Word. Walking in your faith, walking in the Word, getting the basics down, seeking God, staying in fellowship, staying in the Word, the basic milk issues, and you're going to begin to grow and grow and grow. And you can't stop it because it's God who gives the growth. He will make you grow. How many of you can say, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm sure not where I was last year. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? That's because you're growing. And here's what's spooky to me. I'm going to answer for you. And there are times that just scares the bejeebies out of me. That's why when I get up and talk to you, church, I don't tell you what Jeff thinks. That's not my job. My calling is to take this word, study it out my ears to see what God was trying to say to you and me and then tell you. I'm just a messenger boy. But if I tell you the word of God, you accept it and walk in it, you're going to grow. God's going to give the growth. Then you'll hit a trial, maybe financial, temptation, marital, I don't know. But it'll be fiery and it'll be tough. And everything that's been built in you will then be tested. And there will be a Holy Ghost inspection. Well, let's see what's built in there. And if you go through it, you may come out limping, you may come out dragging, but you come out. Say, hallelujah, I'm still in church. I got some puffy eyes, lost some sleep. It got pretty shaky there, but I got through and hallelujah, there was some good building material. And what we built on, we gave the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, and we built on top of that foundation the Word of God. Father, we just thank you for your Word tonight. And we pray the blessing of God on it. We pray that you will help us to grow from infanthood to maturity. Will you lift your hands right up to the Lord, saints? And I want you to say with me, Lord, help me to grow up. Help me to grow spiritually into the fullness of the measure of Jesus so that I am not tossed to and fro, but I'm solid and skillful in the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Give him a hand of praise. Give